Hey, voice assistant, can you get ready to write some medical notes for me, please? Sure, Peter. Here is some information I found on how to make miniature boats. No, I mean, can you write medical notes, please? Did you mean pedicures for goats? Hey, voice assistant, can you write medical notes for me, please? No problem. Here are some pictures of possums in coats. That's kind of cool, I guess. So look, speech recognition technology, it's definitely the future. We're seeing it more and more in our day-to-day -day lives with different home devices and being able to use our words to tell the technology in a natural way what we want it to do. And as we use that stuff in our home lives more and more, clinicians are asking, well, can I also use it in my professional life? There's a little more finesse and specific requirements that speech recognition technology and voice assistants need if it was ever going to be used in a clinical setting. Well, recently I got to speak with Dr. Simon Wallace, Chief Clinical Information Officer at Nuance Communications. And in this episode, we talk about clinician burnout, artificial intelligence, and the future of speech recognition technology in healthcare. Collaboration starts with a conversation, Team Health Tech. Let's make it happen. This is Talking Health Tech with me, Peter Birch, featuring content and community about technology in healthcare. Before we jump into things, if you really want to learn more and connect about technology in healthcare, this podcast is a great place to start, but consider also joining as a THT Plus member to really level up your health tech game. THT Plus is an interactive and engaging community by Talking Health Tech with a wide variety of expertise and experience. As a member, you get to access our exclusive community forum, monthly meetups, and warm introductions of you from me to other members. You can attend our quarterly virtual summits and access other exclusive content. So invest in yourself, support what we do here at Talking Health Tech. Everyone wins. To learn more, go to talkinghealthtech.com slash THT Plus. Simon, how are you? I'm very well, thank you, and be delighted to join you on your podcast today. It's great to be in the office with you to record it as well. So so thank you for making the time. And you're over here in Australia at the moment, but you're not normally here in Australia. No, no, based in uh, UK and Ireland. I'm the uh, CMIO for Nuance, uh, and I'm down here at the moment visiting uh, clinicians in a number of different hospitals and locations in uh, Melbourne, Sydney, and Brisbane before heading over to New Zealand, uh, where I'm presenting at the uh, HINS conference uh, next week. Yes. Yep. Oh, nice. Well, it's, it's great that you'll be able to make the time to, to have a chat with me on the show. So firstly, for those who aren't familiar with Nuance, tell me a bit more about the organization. Yeah. So Nuance is a, a global organization, and it provides AI-powered cloud-based speech recognition solutions to help clinicians with their clinical um, documentation. Some people listening may know that we've been recently acquired by Microsoft, which is a really exciting next step for us in our speech recognition journey. Nuance has two parts. One of them is the um, enterprise side, and that d deals with omni-channel conversations using voice biometrics for things like my voice is my password. So when you're authenticating yourself to a bank or in the UK to the tax office, that is the form of authentication. On the healthcare side, your listeners may have heard of Dragon. 
And Dragon Medical One is Nuance's um, speech recognition solution. And we have something like 550,000 clinicians using it in a, a whole range of different countries in different languages um, around the world. Yeah. No, Dragon is very much seen as that, uh, you know, when we talk about the dictation side of things, it's usually then Dragon. That those things are quite synonymous. So it's a very much known within the healthcare space. And so it's a an organization, a brand that's been around for a number of years and seen healthcare, you know, go through obviously pre-COVID and, and during COVID and now where we're at right now. What are some of those big themes that you've seen come out consistently throughout? The- yeah, I, I think one of the really big themes that's emerging and you're absolutely right to say pre-COVID, is the stress and strain that healthcare professionals are under. And I'm I'm not just talking about the doctors, it's the nurses, it's the allied health professionals. Even before COVID, the pressures of waiting lists, the pressures of capacity in hospitals was really playing out. And of course, COVID comes along March 2020, we locked down in the UK. And the health service did fantastically. It, it pulled all the stops out, did all it does very, very well, and provided a, a wonderful service. But of course, the consequence of that after um, a number of shutdowns and COVID waves is a huge backlog of patients for routine hip, knee operations, but also more serious sort of treatments for cancer and, and heart disease. And these healthcare professionals haven't had, really had a break. And so the stresses and strains on them are are enormous. And the whole concept of burnout has only got worse as a consequence of that. Yeah. There's the the clinical side of things in in treating those patients. And it's interesting, you know, how we've seen elective surgery put on hold. And the term elective is so kind of, (laughs) when you you think about it, as if it's something that is okay if I do or don't. But so many patients need services right now. So there's that pressure from a clinical side. But there brings a lot of clinical documentation and admin burden as well. So for the clinicians, but for everyone else within the, the healthcare setting as well, right? Yeah, there is. And I think the the documentation and the admin side plays a really significant part in the stress and burnout that clinicians are experiencing. There's this wonderful phrase that Professor Cecil Chantler came out with that uh, medicine used to be simple, ineffective, and relatively safe. It is now complex, effective, but potentially dangerous. And to be able to practice safe medicine, you need to have good quality clinical documentation. Um, and certainly with COVID, no one would really have guessed that loss of taste or loss of smell would have been symptoms when it first came along, or the power of dexamethasone was going to be an absolute game changer. But it needed quality documentation to be able to understand that those were really important factors. We just completed a survey, just shy of a thousand clinicians, of how much time clinical documentation takes up. And we found that on average, it takes about 13 and a half hours of time during a 37 and a half hour clinical week, just simply to create your documentation. Yeah. We compared that to- it's like a third. Uh, yeah, yeah, an incredible amount uh, of time. I think what was even more interesting, we compared it to 2015, because we repeated the survey to do this um, compare and contrast. And it had gone up 25%. And I have to say that surprised me a little bit because I thought with EPRs coming in uh, and all that good stuff, that that may not be such an issue. The other headline that came out of it was that um, how much time are clinicians spending in their non-working time creating documentation? And it was around about 3.2 hours, up at four and a half for consultants. 
So in a nutshell, the whole clinical documentation, really important, but it's a real stress and strain on the just the day-to-day -day activity. And it takes clinicians away from the patient-facing sort of piece of the jigsaw of their day-to-day yeah. -day activity. It's necessary, but it's not the actual doing of healthcare. It's all the, the auxiliary stuff that comes along with it that there's there's no doubt opportunities for technology to assist there. So is that where, you know, when you think about speech recognition technology and, and the things that Nuance and Dragon do, does that help with, with what we're talking about here? Yeah, I, I think it does. I mean, the key thing about any technology is it going to alleviate the problem that the clinician has, whatever it might be? From a speech recognition perspective, there are a number of things that really make it a really good digital tool for clinicians to use. Firstly, we, we speak three times faster than we can type. So there's going to be a, a time-saving factor there. The most important thing is its accuracy. There may be some of your listeners who might have used speech recognition you know, 10, 12 years ago. And, you know, there was some correction of odd words and all that sort of thing. Well, since then, the whole speech engine technology has dramatically changed. And, and Dragon Medical One, which is Nuance's speech engine, the AI, the deep learning, the algorithms now are in such a design and combined with a comprehensive medical dictionary that its accuracy is really, really excellent. And that's really important because if it's not, I think, you know, clinicians would be put off. So that's been the game changer over the last uh, few years. I was going to say, because Siri still doesn't cope too well with my uh, poor Australian accent and the occasional <laughs> slurring of words that I put. So, yeah, no, it's it's certainly not just your your run-of-the-mill, you know, mobile phone voice assistant. We're, we're talking kind of, you mentioned, you know, re recognition of medical terms yes. and, and a bit more specific to the medical field. Yeah, oh, it, it, it has to be because, you, you know, what Dragon Medical One is, it, it, it's specifically a medical healthcare speech solution. And I, I've mentioned the fact it was cloud-based. The importance of that is that uh, several things, really. But from the, from the clinician's perspective, first of all, you can use speech straight out of the box. There's none of the training that there used to be with speech recognition of saying a couple of paragraphs and it getting used. You can use it straight out of the, um, out of the box, so to speak. But it's always learning. It's always taking on board what my last document was, what I said, and fine-tuning my profile. So I, I have this unique profile that is mine. The other thing about being in the cloud is that I'm not restricted to a desktop or a laptop. I can go from the operating theater to my clinic, to my office, to another hospital. And certainly during COVID, what a lot of clinicians ended up doing through necessity was working from home. And so that cloud-based component gave a huge amount of freedom and flexibility for, for the use. If you've been kicking around this industry a bit like me, or maybe even you're brand new to digital health, you've probably worked out that health tech is not an individual sport. Whatever you're trying to achieve, whether you're delivering healthcare for patients, or you're building health technology, or perhaps you're helping deploy solutions across health systems, you need a tribe, a community of like-minded individuals who just get it that if we're going to transform healthcare then technology is going to play a huge part in it. So to learn and connect about health tech and level up your game, consider joining our THT Plus membership community. We've got options for every stage of growth, whether you're a solo individual or a startup or scale-up company. As an individual, you get access to our exclusive community forum, you get a warm intro to two other members from me each month, you get free access to our quarterly virtual summits and a bunch of other exclusive goodies. 
companies can bring team members into the community. Plus, you get a presence on our website as a THT Plus member. You can post content like news events and jobs. And of course, we love to showcase our members. So when you join as a company THT Plus member, you'll get to appear on this podcast with your very own episode. This podcast is made possible through the support of our members. It's literally the heart of everything we do. So consider joining as a THT Plus member. You can join anytime online. Just go to talkinghealthtech.com slash THT Plus. And I think about some of the other benefits then of whether it's speech recognition technology in the medical space or the fact that it's cloud-based. Talk to me a bit more about some of those other benefits that might be realized from, from utilizing a tool like this. Yeah, so there are several. I think the first thing is the notes can often be much more comprehensive and complete. When someone's typing, you're, because it's taking time, you're often taking shortcuts and perhaps not including everything that should be in a note. One example of that is pertinent negatives. If someone doesn't have a cough or they don't have a wheeze, they're really important to actually document. But often it's only the positive things that would get typed. Mm -hmm. But by using voice, you know, you have you have that extra time to be able to do that. It's very good from the completeness of the note. But um, also if there was some medical legal action and some a negative wasn't recorded, mm -hmm. then no one knows that you actually asked that question and it's not there. So the quality of the note also improves. I think the other thing. Um, I mentioned that I was surprised that um, the time taken to do your documentation has, had gone up. Voice can also help navigate around the electronic patient record. You can use voice commands. Instead of doing lots of clicks and tabs, you can use voice commands to do a whole range of functions. One urologist I was with a few months ago, we created a voice command for him for a routine renal ultrasound report that he would do on 75% of his patients after they'd been seen in an outpatient clinic. And we set up this, uh, what we call a step-by-step -step command. And it's going through all the various tabs and clicks that the clinician would have to do if he was doing that manually on the, in, the, in the EMR. Yeah. Built it and he said this single voice command, request six month renal ultrasound. And it all happened in front of him. And he went, he sat back in his chair and he said, goodness me, you've probably just saved me a minute and a half if he was doing that uh, uh, in, the, in, in the normal fashion. And he, I said, well, so how many patients would you do that in a clinic? And he said 10. Mm -hmm. The math is pretty straightforward. So that, that's 15 minutes of time given back from that simple um, voice command. And so the power of what this technology can do for me as a clinician is really very exciting uh, going forward. I'm not sure what you what you see in other parts of the world, but I'm just thinking of from my own experience as well, thinking of clinicians that utilize speech recognition technology, really strong, really strong need in the specialist space, in the outpatient general practice side of things. You see sometimes it's use, but a lot of the times it's not like the, you know, like this is an absolute critical kind of tool that we need. But hearing what you're saying, it, this need for more time in the day and, you know, reducing repetitive tasks, like why is it that so many specialists use speech recognition technologies, but potentially those like GPs that could benefit a lot might not be using it straight away? Sure. It, it, it's a great question. I mean, speech recognition um, initially started in the radiology space. Um, and uh, certainly when I uh, got into this uh, a few years ago, I just didn't quite understand why it was just there. I think what's happening is we're going through a cultural shift. There was that shift from the pen 
to the keyboard when computers came along and we were you know starting to document uh, our notes electronically and the shift we're now going on is from the keyboard to voice um, and I think you know we use our voice in a lot of our non-work everyday functions and a lot of health professionals are asking well why can't I use that at work you know it's it's pretty slick neat and efficient so I think what's happening and what will happen over the next two or three years is this shift culturally from typing to voice will take place. In my travels, I've uh, seen it used across the healthcare spectrum, not just in the acute side, in certain specialties, in primary care, in general practice land, uh, mental health, in community health, and of course, in the, um, in the acute sector. One GP actually said to me a couple of weeks ago, in fact, I was in your shoes running a webinar oh, back in the UK yeah. And I was sort of trying to find out from him why using speech was a good thing for him in general practice. And one of the things he said, well, actually, you know what, Simon, it gives me a little bit more time to think about the clinical decisions I'm making. And I said, oh, why, why is that? And he said, well, when I, when I was typing, my focus would be on what my fingers were doing on the keyboard. Whereas when I'm speaking, it's much more a natural piece. And it's actually giving me time to reflect on my clinical decision-making. Plus, often the patients are in the room and they very much appreciate hearing the, the processes that are going going on at the same time. That's a really good point around the, the trust with patients too. You know, you think in the bad old days where patient notes sometimes those clinicians who might be taking notes thinking they're just for their own internal purposes and that creates concerns then when patients want to have access to the records that's we're seeing that a lot less these days but being able to build trust with patients and having those conversations with them while they're in the room it's all those little things that help make a better patient experience as yeah well, it, so it is and the, it really is the patient's record mm. and the other thing is you know when you come and see a, a clinician a doctor for a consultation there's often a lot of nerves, a lot of worry, a lot of concern. And there's been research that suggests that patients really only absorb, you know, a quarter or a third of what is said. And certainly some of the feedback that doctors that I've been speaking to is that patients actually really value getting a, a extra exposure to the conversation that was had. And even sometimes the patient might just sort of slightly correct, which the clinicians, if they're open-minded about it, are, are really quite um, appreciative because yeah. perhaps that wasn't quite interpreted in the uh, in the same way. I hadn't thought about I hadn't had that conversation before around speech recognition technology. That's really interesting. And the, the other point too that, that came to mind was, as you were saying, you know, the, the clinician's mind can be taken off the task of typing and, and they can just talk. And I think... For those that might first be adopting the tool, they might be thinking about, oh, is it, is it capturing my, my speech correctly and everything? But over time, no doubt, the, the, the trust and the, and the familiarity with the technology would then allow them to, to focus yeah. on the actual task. Yeah. Has. I mean, it, it is a slightly different way of doing things, but it's a, it's a natural way of doing things. So there is, there is, a, there is a transition, but it, it's a very small transition. And I think when I see clinicians using it for the first time, they're taken aback by the accuracy and they're taken aback by the fact that within a few seconds, there's a paragraph of quite detailed clinical information down there. And they realize, right, okay, that's really interesting. And as well as their clinical notes, they're migrating it into using it in their emails, in Word documents, if they're putting a proposal in for a conference or they're doing a report. So it has uses, yes, of course, in the EMR, but in other areas as well to help and save time. And then thinking about 
I guess, a little bit forward-facing then or that point around utilising in other tools or perhaps integrations and other technologies then relating to speech recognition technology. I think you touched on before, artificial intelligence uh, plays a really important role. Talk to me a bit more about AI and speech recognition. Well, it's a great question because speech recognition and what we've been talking about so far is a, is, is a baseline. It's a baseline on which other AI cloud-based speech recognition solutions can then develop. So, for example, one of the frustrations of the um, EMR is the clicks and the moving around. I mean, the EMR is really important because it's really important to capture that information. It's going to help with clinical decision support, analysis, all sorts of things, timely presentation of documents. But but it does add extra time. Where the technology is now going is where I shall use my voice to navigate much more around the EPR. So I gave the example of that urologist requesting a, a renal ultrasound. Well, where the technology is and is going is being deeply integrated into each of the EMRs so that everything can be done with voice. You know, show me the last CT scan, give this patient a six month uh, follow-up appointment. And then where it goes from there is something called ambient clinical intelligence. And that's when it gets really exciting. And we've been doing um, quite a lot of this um, in the US. And what it is, is the desktop in the clinic room disappears. And there's a smart device on the wall, which has numerous microphones in with sensors. And it is using a whole load of AI technology to capture that conversation between the patient and the doctor. So voice biometrics will start off allowing the doctor to sign in using his voice because each of our voices has a unique um, identifier to it. My voice is my password is uh, we, we talked about slightly um, slightly earlier at the beginning of our talk today. And then voice biometrics diarizes the conversation between the two of us. Everything that is spoken is documented. And then the smart natural language processing, and at Nuance we have what's called clinical language understanding, is picking out the key clinical terms, the key medicines, the key components of that conversation, and it's turning it into a codified structured note so that when the clinician has finished the consultation with the patient he can use a voice command to bring up the note that he would have used his voice for but it's been done in the background with natural language processing check it through of course you know for all the um, appropriateness of making sure that it's what he or she wants to send out and then simply do a voice command sign my note that's where it's going. Um, we're, so we're doing lots of it in the um, in the US, and it's really, really exciting technology going forward. Isn't it? Absolutely. Look, can't wait to hear more about that in the, the coming months and years and, and watch that with interest. Lastly, then thinking about nuance, and you've given us a bit of a glimpse into the future of you know the, the technology generally. Any final thoughts or what can we look forward to seeing from nuance over the next 6, 12, 24? Yeah. I think the most important thing going forward, I I mentioned the word a cultural shift. My sort of mission and crusade over the next one to two years is to get as many healthcare professionals onto speech as possible. When I say healthcare professionals, I'm talking about doctors, nurses, all the allied health professionals, because having that cultural shift for a move from the keyboard to voice then provides that foundation for the really exciting AI stuff coming down the track that I described with conversational AI. Yeah, need that baseline and need to build from that foundation. Yeah. Exciting times. Well, look, 
we'll put the details for nuance in the show notes of this episode. Proud THT Plus members, so we'll got the, the information on the website and people can read the article from this episode as well if they're listening on a podcast player. Simon, appreciate you making your time during your busy schedule here in Australia to come and have a chat with me. So thank you so much and look forward to checking in again one day soon. Well, thank you very much. And uh, thank you very much to all your listeners taking time to listen to this podcast. Before you go, just a reminder to jump over to our YouTube channel and subscribe and watch some episodes there. There are podcast episodes, summit sessions, and a bunch of other interesting content on our channel. You can just search Talking Health Tech in the YouTube app or click on the link in the show notes of your podcast player and it should just take you straight there. Thank you. For more content and community about technology and healthcare, visit talkinghealthtech.com.